So um, you may have seen my, my title um, for today's talk. Uh, I'm, I don't know if it's a provocative title or not, but the use and misuse of the 16th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Um, and my, my, my concern here, my concern obviously from the title is the misuse of Bhagavad Gita chapter 16. <laughs> um, but we may want to say as we are all aspiring uh, to be uh, devotees rather than demons, uh, that uh, the more interesting side of this discussion might be uh, the proper use of chapter 16. Perhaps a good place to start with this, though, is not in chapter 16, but is in chapter 4. Uh, and before I before I go there, uh, let us invoke Lord Krishna as Vasudeva by chanting. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya 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 only if you get too loud they'll hear you okay so um i want to i want to start with verse number three of chapter four saevayam ayatedya yoga prokta puradana bhakto sime sakacheti rahasyam hi etad utamam lord krishna is explaining to Arjuna why he is speaking the Bhagavad Gita to him. He gives uh, two qualifications. He says, Bhakta, Bhaktaha Asi, you are a devotee, uh, and Saka, uh, you are a friend, uh, a particular kind of friends. There are different sorts of friends in this a saka is is a is a very close friend, uh, and then he says rahasyam, uh, etat rahasyam, uh, which is uttamam. This this highest rahasya, this highest confidential knowledge of yoga, uh, which I spoke before and it got lost. I'm speaking it to you again. And I'm not just speaking it in a superficial way. I'm giving you uh, the, really the rahasya, the secret. Uh, and I'm doing this because of who you are. You are my bhakta and you're my friend. And of course, this is a theme which 
runs throughout the Gita uh, and is highlighted especially by Srila Prabhupada in many of his purports, that if we want to if we want to get the proper understanding of Krishna's teachings, we should uh, adopt as best we can the mood of Arjuna, uh, the attitude of Arjuna, uh, the spirit of Arjuna. So we get from that verse, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 3, we get a good, strong, clear understanding of uh, what, what that attitude is. So then when we come to chapter 16, uh, which is mm, called Prabhupada's uh, title for the chapter, The Divine and Demoniac Natures. Uh, nature is translating the word sampat. Um, and uh, it's in, in traditional v versions of Bhagavad Gita, the that the title of each chapter comes at the very end of the chapter. <laughs> uh, and each chapter of Bhagavad Gita has a title, including the very first chapter, uh, which includes the word yoga. Each chapter is a, a practice of yoga, including this one. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but it's, it's something like diet. Daivi, uh, Daiva Asura Sampad Yoga, um, uh, or uh, Vibhaga, uh, seeing the difference uh, between the two, something like that. Uh, and of course, it's, as we know, most of you here will be familiar. Uh, the first three verses are going to be a list of, uh, of Daivi Sampat. Um, just now I counted, I think it comes to 26 um, qualities, 26 features, or another translation of the word Sampat is asset. Asset, as in... Um, when you have some wealth, if you have some savings, uh, that is your assets as opposed to your liability. So it's kind of interesting. Audio is not coming uh, up here. Um, uh oh, is are you? Are others hearing? Yeah, we, you're hearing. Maybe the okay. Host someone without everyone else. So that only Maharaj can speak when there's no interruptions. Someone just reported that they're not hearing the audio, but if everyone uh, else is. Uh, Maharaj, I can hear you here in Portugal very well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perfectly. Per Portugal Yatra Kijai. <laughs> Hare Krishna. <laughs> So uh, it's interesting, I find it interesting that we have Daivi Sampat and we have Asura Sampat. <laughs> we have assets of, uh, of the Asura Bhava. But the point I want to make is that after 
uh, Krishna lists these 25 qualities or features or sampat uh, of the uh, of daiva of of devotees. Um, what does he say next? He reassures Arjuna. He says, "Now I'm going to tell you uh, what are the the characteristics of asura, the asura bhava." But don't worry. Uh, you, Arjuna, are. I'm not. I'm not talking about you. Mm. Yeah, this is uh, verse number five. The transcendental qualities are conducive to liberation, whereas the demoniac qualities make for bondage. Do not worry. Ma sucha sampadang daivim abhijato asi pandava. Do not worry, O son of Pandu, for you are born with the divine qualities. Now, here's, here's where there could be a misuse of chapter 16 is that, okay, we've agreed we're going to identify ourselves with Arjuna. And Krishna just told Arjuna, don't worry, you are born with divine qualities. So we may reassure ourselves that, okay, I am also born with divine qualities. And therefore, all of what's being described of uh, the Asura Baba um, has nothing to do with me. It's, it's going to be those people out there, uh, other people who are Asura. But now, before we go through some of those qualities uh, and think about them, let's jump to verse number 21, uh, where Krishna says, Trividham narakasya evam idam dvaram nashanam atmana kama krodas tatalobhas tasmat etat trayam tyajet. Hmm. Prabhupada translates, there are three gates leading to this hell, lust, anger, and greed. Every sane man, <laughs> Prabhupada's translation, <laughs> every sane man should give these up. <laughs> um, yeah, the word sane is not in the Sanskrit, but that's okay. <laughs> Every sane man should give them up, for they lead to the degradation of the soul. And then, in the purport, it's a short purport, the first sentence, Prabhupada says, the beginning of demoniac life is described herein. One tries to satisfy his lust, and when he cannot, anger and greed arise. And of course, this may remind us of uh, what Krishna tells us toward the end of chapter 2. Jayato vishayan pungsa sangaste shupajayate sangat sanjayate kama kama krodavijayate and so on. 
a sane man who does not want to glide down to the species of demoniac life must try to give up these three enemies, which can kill the self to such an extent that there will be no possibility of liberation from this material entanglement. And of course, after this, Krishna is going to uh, Krishna is going to speak perhaps more heavily, as we say, than anywhere else in the Gita. Um, when he says, uh, "If one is not sorry before this, um, yeah, before this, Krishna has warned Asaram Yonim Apanna." Mudha janmani janmani mam aprapyaiva kaunteya tato yanti adamangatim. Attaining repeated birth among the species of demoniac life, O son of Kunti, such persons can never approach me. Gradually they sink down to the most abominable type of existence. So Krishna uh, speaks in with uh, with a with a loud voice here, we may say, with a very grave voice. And so it's interesting then that Prabhupada points out what is the beginning of uh, of demonic life? Uh, it's it's to enter into these three gates of hell, uh, Kama, Krodha, and Lobha. And uh, again, he says in the translation and also in the purport a sane man should give these up so what i want to suggest is that uh, the 16th chapter is serving this purpose of uh, helping us to become sane by uh, by giving us a list of features of insanity if you like um, and Krishna, by giving us this list and uh, letting us see the contrast, the sharp contrast with uh, the devotional uh, qualities, the Daivi Sampad. He uh, powers us, he gives us ability to make choices. Um, and this is what this verse 21 is, is also saying, uh, and Prabhupada's translation, a sane man should give these up. Giving up uh, suggests a conscious choice. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, we could say the beginning of spiritual life is recognizing that we can make conscious choices about uh, our uh, our our perceptions, and and there and through what am I saying? Our perceptions and the, and our behavior, our attitudes, our perceptions, our behavior. Uh, and uh, and this chapter also has this wonderful passage. Uh, what is it? Verse 15, 16, 17. Let me look. Where Krishna 
imitates the demonic nature. Oh, 13 to 15, yeah. My favorite verses <laughs> in this chapter. I can relate to this. Uh, <laughs> Adyo Abhijanavan Asmi Ko Anyo Asti Stadrisho Maya Kshe Dasyami Modishya Iti Agyana Vimohita. The demonic person thinks, So much wealth do I have today, and I will gain more according to my schemes. So much more, so much is mine now, and it will increase in the future, more and more. He is my enemy, and I have killed him, and my other enemies will also be killed. I am the Lord of everything. I am the enjoyer. I am perfect, powerful, and happy. I am the richest man, surrounded by aristocratic relatives. There is none so powerful and happy as I am. I shall perform sacrifices, I shall give some charity, and thus I shall rejoice. In this way, such a person, such persons are deluded by ignorance. Now, as we read this, we may think, well, that's really off the deep end. Nobody, who, who actually thinks like that? And indeed, we might say there's a bit of um, a bit of comedy here. I think there's some there's a, a, I th I think what's happening here is that Krishna is speaking in a very sarcastic tone uh, about uh, you can say the extreme the extreme end of uh, what might be understood more as a spectrum uh, of mentalities than simply black and white. And this is really the point that I want to come to, uh, which I think most of us understand most of the time, but sometimes, I don't know, some devotees seem to express uh, an a certain vision of the world that they think is based on uh, the teachings of Krishna and, and other Shastra, that things are very simple, uh, black and white. And I think this uh, can get us into trouble. Uh, and And for this, I think it's helpful to reflect on I, I was thinking about Dhritarashtra today. Dhritarashtra, what is, what is the character of Dhritarashtra? We can say, well, he's obviously a demon, uh, considering how he behaved, considering the fact that uh, even when Krishna came, uh, to try to negotiate a peace before the 
Mahabharata word. Uh, he he, and, and even Krishna re displayed for him uh, his virat rupa, and even gave sight uh, to Dhritarashtra for that short, <laughs> for those moments. Even then, Dhritarashtra would not. Uh, he would not. He would not insist to his son Duryodhana, who we might be even more ready to say is a demon. Uh, we may want to say, you know, Duryodhana, sorry, uh, Dhritarashtra is a, uh, un he's a, a deranged character and, and he shows uh, many of, he, he's, he's lacking, he's lacking uh, devotional qualities. And, and here we may, we, we may want to uh, recall the verse of the Bhagavatam, which also puts uh, things in sort of black and white. Uh, you'll be familiar with this first. Yes, yasti bhaktir bhagavatya kinchana sarvayaganais tatra samasate sura harava bhaktasya kato mahanguna manoratthenasati dhavato bahi uh, the first half of the verse describes the qualities of uh, the devotees as being that of, they possess the qualities of all the suras, all the devas. Uh, in contrast, abhaktasya, of those who are not bhakta, uh, mano ratena, because their minds are uh, because they're living and they, they are functioning uh, on the platform of their minds, the, the chariot of their mind, which means the, the, the fluctuating wild open to all kinds of disturbance mind. Uh, therefore, they're uh, completely directed to the external world. So we could, we, we may want to point to that to say, if somebody is not a devotee, then um, what are they? They're not, <laughs> they must be a demon because there's, because Krishna in the 16th chapter only speaks of two natures. He doesn't speak of more than two natures. So you're either one or the other. Yes, no. Yes, maybe. <laughs> so it seems to me that uh, the helpful way for us to, as aspiring devotees, uh, to, to read chapter 16, especially the list of demonic qualities, is in a self-reflective way. Could it be that there is some grain of uh, tendency in myself when I read, when I read, uh, well, it starts with pride, jambo darpo abhimanas abhimanas cha, where is it? Yes, tambo darpo abhimanas cha, krodha bharushyam eva cha, Ajnanam cha abhijatasya 
Arta, Sampadam, Asurim, pride, arrogance, anger, harshness, ignorance. These qualities belong to those of demoniac nature of son of Rita. Well, maybe we sometimes are affected by some of this ourselves. And therefore, maybe we should be cautious in pointing fingers at others for their uh, shortcomings. Again, back to Dhritarashtra, let us not forget uh, that Vidura comes back home after uh, many years of being uh, on pilgrimage, basically being banished. Coming back home after the war, everything's finished, everyone's killed. Dhritarashtra is this pathetic, pathetic um, being who is just living off the mercy of, of Yudhishthira. And Vidura says, he, he goes to him and he's very direct. He says, you're living like a household dog. Uh, what is this? You have to, uh, you cannot go on like this. You should leave immediately. And um, Dhritarashtra accepts that. He accepts that uh, advice from his half-brother. And then it's described in the first canto, he goes off uh, to the Himalaya with, uh, with his wife, Kandhari, and eventually um, they, I don't know if it mentions Gandhari, but in any case, Dhritarashtra uh, realizes some kind of transcendental realization, Brahman realization. He has some sort of... Uh, passage uh, of purification. So that, so Dhritarashtra is especially interesting because of how, uh, how he is situated in the whole story of the Mahabharata. Uh, he, I find him the most pathetic character of the Mahabharata. He is, He's not a tragic character, he's a pathetic character. Karna is in many respects a tragic figure. Uh, but but Dhritarashtra is, is more pathetic. And so we, we might feel, we might appreciate how Vidura feels for him. And by that, we can then appreciate how glorious Vidura is. Vidura is, mm, he's not ignoring all the weaknesses of Dhritarashtra, but he's caring about him enough uh, to pull him out from his ignorance. So, so Vidura is glorious. Uh, Dhritarashtra becomes, yeah, in some sense also glorious. Then we may also think about uh, Hiranyakashipu. <laughs> uh, a year ago, uh, year, a year ago plus, uh, Singha Chaturdasi at Singachalam, Germany, 
We had a very nice program and there were several of us uh, being asked to speak on the morning of Nisingha uh, So I spoke, somehow I was the first uh, speaker and I kind of spoke in defense of Hirani Kashipu. <laughs> and then after me, uh, I think he was the second after me was, or third, uh, was His Holiness Kadamba Kanana Swami. And he said, no, 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 I don't go with that at all. Hiranyakashipu was a demon through and through. He was, uh, he was evil. So then what happened was we had a debate. It was a spontaneous debate. It was a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> it was kind of an unresolved debate. Uh, it gave me an inspiration. I don't know if I'll ever get to this, but I'd like to write a drama, which would be a courtroom drama. Uh, as I imagine, it would be a courtroom drama of, uh, in a sense, it would be um, Hirani Kashipu on trial after he's been killed uh, at the court of Yamaraj taking into account that this is the first of three uh, lives. We know he's been cursed to take three lives uh, as demons. Anyway, the point I want to make here is, again, the glorious position of Prahlad, because um, what does Prahlad say after Hiranyakashipu is killed? He prays to Nrsinghadev, please deliver him. Please deliver him. And it's interesting that also Prahlad, when he's addressing his father, uh, he addresses him as, oh, best of the demons, <laughs> oh, best of the asuras. <laughs> he addresses him as an asura, but then he doesn't go on about his terrible qualities. Instead, what does he do? He gives him very nice advice. My dear, my dear best of the demons, I think the best thing for you would be to retire to the forest. And Prabhupada famously translates uh, meaning Vrindavan. <laughs> you should go to Vrindavan. <laughs> so this is Prahlad. Prahlad is recognizing that he, uh, his father is an Asura, but also later, uh, um, as he's beginning his prayers to Nrsinghadev, what does Prahlad say? He says, uh, I am a demon. <laughs> he says, I am, an, I am born in an Asura. How am I ever going to be qualified to offer proper prayers to you? Then he says, in any case, I'll do the best I can uh, because I've been asked to do this. So I'm, I'm going to do my best. Uh, so um, yeah, I think yeah. a good use of uh, Bhagavad Gita chapter 16 is to reflect 
on ourselves as, as we read through these demonic qualities. And then to turn back to the beginning of chapter uh, 16, look through the qualities and because there's so many qualities there, there may not be, uh, it may be hard to focus on all of them. And besides that, as Prabhupada explains in the purport, the long purport that those three verses, he says these apply especially to uh, persons of different ashramas. The first ones uh, are appropriate or are especially um, related to uh, the sannyasis. The very first quality is abhaya. So this Prabhupada explains the first quality uh, qualification of one of a renunciant is to be fearless, uh, to be ready for whatever comes, because that's what renunciation is about. Whatever comes, accept it. <laughs> Uh, but then there's so many, then dhanam, dhammas, uh, dhamma, yajna, svadhyaya, uh, dhanam, charity, of course, this is especially for the householders. Um, ahimsa, satyam, akrodham, tyaga, shantir. There's a lot of overlap, of course, among the qualities. Uh, but you may find, we may find, full focus on a few of these two, three, four, five of the qualities and say, I have to work on these so that I can overcome my tendencies to be demonic so that I can really be free from these uh, three gates to hell, which are always threatening to open their doors wide for me. And in this way, then we become effective in helping uh, others to also avoid these doors. Otherwise, if we become, you know, finger wavers at the world, so the world is a demonic place. Yes, it's so much demonic activity going on in the world. Terrible things going on. Um, horrible things. Ugra karma, in all respects, uh, are overwhelming the world. Actually, <laughs> uh, there's a there's a verse um, I came across, someone sent me maybe, uh, from Ayurveda uh, that epidemic, epidemics or pandemics are a sign of corrupt leadership. They result from corrupt leadership. Uh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> but uh, we, we can be more effective in addressing demonic uh, activities, demonic uh, institutions, demonic behavior, uh, if first and foremost, we are clear in ourselves about our own identity, our own devotional identity, and be uh, humble about that identity. By the Lord's grace only, by the grace of the Vaishnavas, I may be manifesting some uh, divi sampat. 
Um, I wanted to just, um, I, I'll open this for questions in a minute, but because we hear the word demon so much, and of course Prabhupada translates um, asura as demon, I thought let's look it up in the dictionary. Uh, but before I look at this, uh, the word asura, uh, it is fairly uh, commonly understood, as far as I know, in the academic world, that the word asura um, is connected with Persian language uh, because um, the uh, the highest divinity uh, of of Persian tradition of Zoroastrianism was Asura Mazda. Probably not pronouncing that right. Um, Asura Mazda. So it seems like, um, from a historical perspective, in India, the perception was. Uh, those are the bad guys out there on the other side of the mountains. They're the Asuras. So it's often the case, it's in practically every culture, that um, there's always bad guys and good guys. And we are the good guys and they're the bad guys. But as devotees, we want to go beyond that. Okay, demon. Ah, uh, in... The Oxford English Dictionary. In ancient Greek mythology, daimon, a supernatural being of a nature intermediate between that of gods and men, an inferior divinity, a spirit, genius, including the souls of ghosts of deceased persons, especially deified heroes, often written daemon, that's D-A-E, where the A and the E are combined somehow, uh, for distinction from sense two. And then uh, sense two is an evil spirit. Um, but here is, there's an extensive explanation um, applied to the idols or gods of the heathen and to the evil or unclean spirits by which demoniacs were possessed or actuated. And then there's a long explanation here of how uh, this word uh, came up in Jewish tradition and then Christian uh, and got mixed up with uh, the word devil, which in Greek... Uh, is derived, uh, is, it's based on the Greek diabolos. So the, the Greek daimon um, is just a spirit, but eventually it's understood to be an evil spirit. So anyway, the point is um, we use this word in English, which has a history uh, which goes back in... Um, in Christian and Jewish tradition uh, for, uh, for an evil spirit. It has very much the sense of possession. 
someone is possessed by a demon, but um, which is to say, for us, we want to, I suggest, be very hesitant, very hesitant to name someone a demon. Someone may have demonic behavior, mentality, all these things, but to say a person is a demon uh, may be shutting us off from, um, from our duty, uh, which is to um, find, find where is Krishna uh, deep down in the heart of this person or these persons. Right, uh, we hardly scratched the surface of chapter 16, but I don't want to go on too long. Um, maybe I should stop here and uh, let's see if anyone wants to comment or question. Dharma Gopta. Maharaj? Uh, who is there? Maharaj, can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> oh, but, but first, Dharma Gopta uh, Prabhu, uh, uh, go ahead. Dharma Gopta. Okay, okay. Just quickly. Uh, just wanted to uh, uh, basically extend the, the topic. Uh, sometimes we overlook the thing that basically what we consider demoniac in as per the Vedic scriptures, uh, we can see that all, all around us is basically the legacy of demonic uh, mentality and, and culture. Like uh, we are using all these demonic devices and, uh, you know, like technology and all these things, which is all these things are typical. Let's put aside Yukta Vairagya, just... Technically, we are uh, surrounded by demonic demonic world. We are using all these... And, and, and we're using uh, a demonic device right as we speak. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the internet. Air, like uh, aircrafts and GPS, GSM technologies, all these internet satellites. Uh, these are all like Ugra Karma uh, devices. That's, nothing has... Uh, so. Uh, the word demoniac is like a very, it's, it's how to say, we are emerging into it throughout our lives, and it's almost inevitable. We cannot avoid it in a certain sense. Yes. Um, and I would say the whole idea of bhakti is to, um, to transform, to Krishnaize. Um, the world uh, to to reconnect, connect or reconnect uh, everything, material energy with Krishna. And so, uh, you know, talking about technology, almost, almost invariably when Srila Prabhupada would speak about on this point, um, about engaging things in Krishna's service, he would point to his microphone and he would say, uh, just like we are using microphone, um, but because we're using it for Krishna, it is spiritual microphone. Uh, 
<laughs> it is spiritualized. Um, yeah, but that's that's a whole discussion. What 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 are the what are the limits of yukta vairagya and so on? I've I gave a presentation on that uh, some time ago. Uh, Maharaj? Yes. May I? Please. Uh, Maharaj, uh, uh, my question is, is uh, first, please accept my humble obeisances of Lord Shiva Prabhupada. Uh, Maharaj, my question is related to text um, 5, where we find uh, Krishna chanting to Arjun, uh, uh, born with uh, the divine qualities. Right. The, the end of this text is born with the divine qualities. So yeah. here, in, here in Portugal, we have a popular popular saying which says that when a piece of wood like a branch in a tree is born with a uh, deformed shape uh, it is very difficult it is impossible to make this shape change uh, let's imagine the the branch the piece of wood the branch has a a bent shape yeah. so it's so it is not possible to make it straight. Yeah. So, so um, when I read uh, Born with the Divine Qualities, my question is, is it that a person born with the Divine Qualities will never change, will always be a good person, a godly person, until he leaves his body? Is it that uh, a, a person born with uh, demonic qualities will 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 be uh, until he leaves his body a a, a demon? Uh, I think you answered your your these questions with your lecture, but I need you to to say it again, please. <laughs> okay. Because because Maharaj here. Here, uh, it seems to me that Krishna here is, is saying, do not worry, yes. you, you are a godly person, you, you do not have to worry because until you, you leave your body, you are safe, your faith is sealed. Uh, wh uh, what about uh, a demonic person born with uh, bad qualities? Isn't that the, 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 the faith of this uh, demonic person is already sealed until, until he or she leaves his body? Well, if I were if I were uh, following Madhvacharya, <laughs> I would say yes. Um, he he seems to have this idea uh, of kind of predestination. You're 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 predestined. Either you're going up or you're going down, and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, there's uh, there's also, of course, Calvinist. Uh, Christian tradition, which uh, is essentially the same idea. Um, but my understanding of the whole project Krishna has speaking the Gita. No, Lefam. What? <laughs> Hare Krishna. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you can turn off your microphone, wherever you are. <laughs> so uh, the whole project of Krishna is to give opportunity for conditioned souls to uh, become elevated, to change. Therefore, Bhagavad Gita is there. Therefore, the whole tradition is there. The teaching uh, of yoga, he says, it was broken. Now I'm bringing it back. Why is Krishna bringing this teaching back if uh, it's all predestination? You're either, you're either uh, born a demon or you're born as a devotee. There's nothing you can do about it one way or the other then one has to ask, then why even have the teachings of Bhagavad Gita? Yes, Maharaj, I understand. Uh, Maharaj, is it that this lecture is being recorded? Excuse me, this lecture right now? Yes, is it that it is being recorded? Um, I'm not sure, and... Uh, I'm a little doubtful because, as I remember, we would see a little red dot uh, up on the top. Yes, it's not here. It's not here, the, the little yeah. dot. Okay, yeah, so... Maharaj, thank you for your answer. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Okay. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Uh, yes, Mataji, Bhakta Priya. <clears throat> Krishna, please accept my obeisances. Hare Krishna. Uh, first, I want to comment. Thank you for uh, mentioning in the end that we as devotees shouldn't be calling everyone as a demon, should be careful about this. Mm. And I see this tendency that uh, we are devotees and those who are not devotees, they automatically goes to this category of demons by, yeah. by default. Yeah. And uh, my question is about uh, Hirani Kashipu, that um, of course he he has this, he was very lucky to have this son Prahlad and he was praying for him, for his deliverance, but we know how many uh, sins he committed, how many crimes. And so after, of course, being killed by uh, Lord, it's automatically he, he became delivered and he was eternal. Uh, associate of the Lord. At the same time, it's kind of not fair that uh, he has to pay for his crime, right? And like this really nice script that he goes to the court of Yamaraj and um, let's say like in another demon on the same level as Hiranyakashipu and he gets the son the same as Pralada Maharaj. Does he have still to pay for his uh, crimes or he automatically just will be delivered without <laughs> any uh, kind of any punishment reaction? Yeah. No, it's an interesting question. And that's why uh, it, that's why I've thought I've, I have this um, Interests. I don't know again if I'll ever get to it, but to really explore that, uh, because I f I feel also there's something something here needing to be worked out uh, with respect to the the whole notion of justice. Um, we don't have in our uh, Vedic or 
post-Vedic uh, tradition quite the same understanding. In fact, one may say very much not the understanding of uh, justice that you get in the Western notion. On the other side, um, <laughs> this may get off the subject, but uh, the whole question of punishment for crime uh, brings a lot of questions with it. I mean, the whole, uh, you know, criminology, they're, they're, they're debating um, what actually constitutes uh, the best way to deal with someone who has committed a crime. Um, how do we reform? To what extent do we punish? How do we uh, deter crime by the threat of punishment and so on? It's interesting, and I would say very sad, that uh, United States has by far the largest incarceration uh, percentage in the world. Some uh, 700,000, sorry, 700 per 100,000 population are in prison. Uh, this comes to more than 2 million people are now in prison. And I think 42%, I just saw some film, some 42% of those in prison uh, are African-American. Uh, and uh, how that's all playing out in terms of punishment, correction, and so on, they've, they, they don't have a clue the, the prison system in America is now privatized. It's become a business. The more prisoners you get, the more money you get. Oh my God. Yeah. And how do you get more prisoners? Uh, you, you encourage your local judges I'm using a very polite word here, encourage. You encourage your local judge uh, to uh, give sentences uh, which put people in prison. What is that doing to, uh, to American society? So back to Hirani Kashipu, yes, he was, he was a terrorist from what we read. He, he was doing horrible things, aside from what he was doing to his own son. How, how is that best punished? And how do those who have uh, suffered as a result of his uh, abuse and his crimes, uh, how, how are they uh, Uh, what's the word I want? How are they brought to a feeling that just, justice has been done? So these are big questions. Uh, but Prahlad, in, in a sense, Prahlad just comes out of, uh, he comes out of a different universe. <laughs> and he says, hey, uh, let's just 
let's just forget it. Let's forget all the bad things, shall we? Okay. <laughs> and Nrsinghe says, yeah, I'm going to forget it all. And the reason I'm forgetting is because he's your father. <laughs> Very interesting uh, understanding. I mean, you know, we chant when we... Uh, when we circumambulate Tulsi Devi. Usually we do it very unconsciously. But what is that verse saying? Yani kani chapapani brahma hatyadi kani chatani tani pranasyanti pradakshina pade pade. Brahma hatya? Oh my God, to kill a Brahmin, to, to you know, to murder something, someone. You can become free from the sin of killing someone just by walking three or four times around Tulsi, Tulsi Devi. And then Jiva Goswami, because this is um, probably, probably that's a verse from Puranas somewhere. Uh, Jiva Goswami says, do not think that statements of Puranas are exaggeration. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Well. Maharaj? Yes, yes. Maharaj, we need to know uh, about your uh, next uh, Zoom class. Where can we find uh, uh, where can where can we find you and when can we find you in these Zoom classes? <laughs> Hare Krishna. Oh, you're, thank you for your kind question. Um, I don't have anything scheduled for, um, for this uh, venue. Uh, if, if the New York people invite me, I suppose we can do it again. Um, I'm occasionally doing other things. On Saturdays, we have a little sangha. Uh, which is organized by uh, the couple who are right next to you on my screen, namely Dharma Gopta and Odari Chandrika in Dubai. So if you can connect with him, uh, you can get that information. Uh, I will do it, Maharaj. Thank you very much. Okay. And, and thank you for your wonderful answer. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, let's see. I, I think I saw Divyambara raise hands. Yes, um, So you, you warned us against um, perceiving or understanding Shastra, the, the statements of Shastra is black and white. Would, would you elaborate a little bit on that? Hmm. We don't have someone to um, turn off others' microphones, do we? You are the host, so you can actually turn someone else off. Oh, I don't, I'm not sure I know how to do that. Oh, maybe here, mute. Oh yeah, I got it. I got it. Thank you. You can, Thank you you can also appoint someone as a co-host, so the other person can do that. Ah. Yeah, see, I have to learn all these little tricks. <laughs> um, 
Okay, say something more about the black and white of Shastra. Or, I mean, you... One th Sorry. Go ahead. Well, yeah, you warned us again against perceiving black and white um, and, mm -hmm. and acting that way, so... Yeah, so um, Shastra does a lot of things, um, has different functions. Um, well, we get this distinction. That's also quoted, I think, by Jiva Goswami. Um, and I always wanted to learn the verse, uh, Vedam Puranam Kavyam Cha uh, Prabhur Mitram Priyeva Cha uh, Bodhai Antiti Hi Prahur Trivit Bhagavata Puna. Hey, I got it. Now I'm going to get proud of myself. Um, he says that uh, Shastra, Veda, Purana, and Kavya uh, are teaching as a Prabhu, a master, a, a Mitra, a friend, or as a beloved. Mm. So usually it's Veda is associated with, uh, and Prabhu here is sometimes translated king. And then Mitra uh, is with Purana, and then Kavya is uh, with Lavad. So they teach in different, different ways, with different uh, style. Uh, and then, but this verse goes on to say, uh, Bodhayanti, uh, iti prahur uh, trivid bhagavata punaha. The bhagavatam teaches in all three ways. All three ways are to be found in the bhagavatam. Uh, so the bhagavatam is uh, is very rich. But aside from that, so uh, what I wanted to say is sometimes the. Sometimes Shastra speaks in strong, in strong language um, with a purpose of uh, emphasizing something, um, possibly, yeah, telling if you don't do this, you're going to hell, um, and so on. Um, sometimes it is what we may think is over the top praise, glorification, and sometimes it's over-the-top uh, condemnation. <laughs> and there seems to be nothing in between. <laughs> but this is where uh, a very strong competence in Shastra is necessary, whereby Okay, yes, it makes this statement here, but what else is being said? What else is being said within the same Shastra, first of all? What else is being said in other Shastra? What are the ways to uh, appropriately uh, gauge or weigh the different Shastras in relation to each other? This is the whole area of... Uh, that big word hermeneutics, and uh, I've told some devotees, we're working on a course uh, that's gonna help devotees to uh, better uh, 
to be able to better uh, use Shastra uh, in appropriate ways for understanding how to deal with uh, different situations, different questions. Um, that's um, not a very comprehensive answer, but yeah, that's what comes to my mind just now. Thank you. <laughs> I would say when we see extremes of any sort in Shastra, we should uh, take it, we can take it uh, as an inspiration because it may be challenging us to stretch our understanding in a way that we're not accustomed to. Um, and, and we have to be very careful. Uh, you know, Shastra is very powerful. And if, if we're not following Shastra, as Krishna says at the end of this chapter, that's actually Krishna's concluding point in this chapter, is uh, we should follow Shastra. Um, if we're not following Shastra, then we're going to be controlled by Shastra by weapons. <laughs> uh, verse 24, pramanam te karya karye, karya akarya, uh, sorry, karya karya yavastita, nyadva shastra vidana uktam karma kartum iha arhasi. One should therefore understand what is duty and what is not duty by the regulations of Shastra, knowing such rules and regulations, one should act so that one may gradually be elevated. But here I think also is helpful. I always go back to this um, favorite statement in a song from Narutam, Narutam Das Thakur, Sadhu Shastra Guru Vakya, there's a system of checks and balances. Mm. When I was uh, when I was quite young in school, one of the first things we learned about our American government that was supposed to be so wonderful. Uh, is that it has a system of checks and balances. Uh, three different departments, uh, the judiciary, the uh, executive, and the legislative branches, and they somehow are supposed to balance each other. Um, anyway, don't get me started on that. <laughs> but Sadhu Shastra Guru, these are also kind of like checks and balances. Um, one thing that one of the functions of uh, Guru is uh, he is or she is selective, telling us what's important and what's maybe not appropriate or uh, applicable for ourselves from Shastra. And sadhus do similar. Uh, sadhus are also 
the many devotees from whom we see example. We uh, we learn in the in the here and now, in the present uh, reality uh, of of life, how uh, how the sadhus are making choices and how they're understanding shastra. So, sadhu shastra. Shastra Guru Vakya Hridoye Koriya Aikya We have to find ourselves uh, we have to find ourselves in the Sadhu Shastra and Guru and the other way around we have to find how uh, all of their statements how they give us a, a clear a clear vision, an aikya, a, a singular focused vision in the heart. Um, and in this way, we can understand when the extreme statements, when we encounter the the radical the you know ra- radical statements, we can uh, we can put them into uh appropriate perspective put it like that is that okay yeah thank you okay we're going kind of over time it's getting a bit late for me here uh it's 9 15 thank you all again uh i'm just curious i see uh samika rishi prabhu here is that you He's not immediately present. Okay. Anyway, thank you all. And uh, I wish you a wonderful day and wonderful week. And keep well, keep safe, keep happy, chant, and be happy. Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Ananta Koti Vaishnavinda ki jai. Shishi Radha Govinda ki jai. Gaur Prem Anande Haribo.